Hello and welcome back to Property Matters on Dublin South FM and iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Joining us today is Igor Fleming, Managing Director of Dublin Lettings. Igor, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Really, the rental market in Ireland is dominating uh, news headlines, which is unusual at this time of year. Normally, we're coming into a whole range of pre-budget speculation. But I think the housing crisis, the rental crisis has really coincided with uh, the students getting their leaving cert results and looking for student accommodation right across the country. You're in Dublin. How are you finding the Dublin marketplace at the moment? Oh, I think... Um... Like a lot of commentators have said, uh, supply has never been tighter um, and demand probably as strong as it's ever been. So inevitably, you know, we're getting that pinch point of, uh, you know, prices rising and, uh, you know, insane demand um, and all the all the problems that brings for obviously tenants, um, but, but also landlords and their and their agents. And what what parts of Dublin do you and your team deal with or are you right across the city? So we're pretty much across the whole greater Dublin area. So maybe as far south as Bray and as far north as uh, Rush and Lust. And then, you know, in some cases, well, we have other properties out in Selbridge and Leakswood. So pretty much the whole greater Dublin area. OK, but you're definitely uh, coming into Wicklow and Kildare as well. So in Slightly. terms of obviously in in recent weeks, we have seen um, across social media and particularly TikTok, you know, we're seeing this. Uh, these queues of rental accommodation where people are, um, you know, number 70 in the queue to view a property. Yeah. Uh, are these are these more extreme examples or is this the norm now to rent in Dublin? Well, I suppose it depends on the agent and how they manage their, you know, um, viewing systems, what have you. Um, for example, that that uh, example of these massive queues in Fibsborough or wherever it was, um, you know, I, I, I presume that there was some sort of an open viewing arranged for that, where people were just told to arrive at a certain time and um, and, and just uh, take their chances, you know. Uh, but there's lots of different methods that people might use to, um, you know, minimize that sort of problem that obviously neighbors would have, you know, tenants would have, you know, in, in, you know, feeling desperate uh, to try and, you know, get to see a place never mind get the place itself you know um so i think uh, you know there are ways and means to uh, to to lessen that impact from an agent's point of view but also from uh, the tenant's point of view as well to to improve their chances and maybe talk us through your uh, the stock that you're dealing with not just on the uh, rentals but also on the management side um is it mainly houses or apartments or who are your typical landlords yeah, so like our, our clients would be, um, you know, a wide variety, much like the rest of the industry, um, from your, you know, uh, people with the single property that might be a part of their pension, um, or, or part of their whole pension for that matter, um, accidental landlords who never meant to be landlords at all, um, you know, uh, who are, you know, you know, actually, actually exiting the market now uh, as it happens, but also your professional investors, people with multiple properties, corporates and pension funds as well, where, you know, they have to use an agent, uh, you know, to abide by revenue rules. Um, but in the main, it's mainly apartments, houses, um, residential property. There is some commercial stock as well, but um, mainly residential property in the greater Dublin area. Very good. And um, you touched on two things there in the same sentence. And I'm wondering, 
uh, how connected are they really? You know, in terms of the accidental landlords, and we know that there are many over the past uh, decade and a half, um, people who might have bought starter homes ended up in negative equity. And, and they themselves, while they're accidental landlords, they're also, in many cases, tenants themselves because they're renting yep. elsewhere in the country. And yep. talk about them exiting. We know landlords exiting is a problem. We know that there has been a cohort of accidental or reluctant landlords. How connected are they um, in terms of, is it only the accidental landlords exiting or are you, is this a broader trend? I, I think it's a broader trend. It started off with the accidental landlords who never really meant to be landlords, you know, for whatever reason, family circumstances changing, for example, or changing jobs or moving, they, they couldn't afford to sell. Uh, so now that now the prices have begun to rise and they're possibly washing their face, you know, they're, they're getting out. But I think a lot of the problems also have to do with regulations. Um, albeit that they were necessary. Um, I think a lot of the problems are that the enforcement of the regulations are, you know, being frank and not, not really being adhered to, you know, uh, to a large extent, you've got, um, you know, like the likes of the regular, the RTB, the Residential Tenancies Board seems to be underfunded and understaffed and overworked, you know, and, you know, with the best will in the world, they're trying to do a good job, but, you know, they, they're probably so snowed under with so many jobs and demands on their time that they just can't get things done as fast as they need to be because you know when you've got a problem and you need to get it resolved whether that's as a tenant or a landlord you're hoping that it's done fairly promptly but this doesn't feel like a, a new problem we know that the rtb has had its challenges um in past years and now this year we're at a stage where every every rental property must be registered and re-registered every year so yeah. how are we adding to this when already the flow wasn't great. And um, I suppose, look, I, I'm delighted that you talked about regulation and policy because there was there was um, an article published in Australian media this morning and it caught our eye because um, the, the headline was, is, is Australia following Ireland into a policy-inflicted rental crisis? And it caught our attention because there's been a lot of speculation um, and a lot of the industry would certainly, uh, there's talk, uh, there would be comments around our rental crisis being not just uh, a mismatch of supply and demand, but there's been a huge policy um, input as well. Is, is that accurate? Without a shadow of doubt. And, and not to mention, has there been a, a huge policy change, but it's happening so quickly and so often. You know, even industry experts are finding it hard to keep up with, you know, the changes that are happening. And you see it in, in, you know, the disputes that are happening between landlords and tenants where a lot, a lot of people, uh, you know, I see, you know, determination orders where, you know, people just aren't aware of what, you know, the changes in law have been and what dates they've changed. You know, a lot of cases you've got law that changes and then at least it changes in one fell swoop. So you have a chance to kind of look at that. But we've seen probably four, five, six different amendments to the Act over the past three or four years. That have had huge impact on, on not to mention regulation but also on the rtb and their operation of it we know that markets don't like uncertainty how are you like how are your clients faring with this are you are you getting any well, i was going to say feedback but are you getting any even pushback on this well i suppose our clients are paying us to take care of things for them you know but but the, the reality is though that uh you know, we have a job at, ha at hand to kind of keep up with, um, you know, the, the all these changes. And it's, it's, it's really is a full time job, you know, because you really need to keep close attention to, uh, to all that's happening, you know. Um, 
I, I think our clients in general, I find that people are just getting frustrated with the uh, with the level and detail of changes that are happening. Um, you know, and, and I think that's certainly part of the reason why people are exiting the market. Um, not to mention, I, I think that's a, a smaller part to play, really, but it's just adding to the burden that people find as landlords, you know, that, uh, you know, they, they have to keep on top of all these changes and be aware of them. Now, you know, regulation is good. Don't get me wrong. You know, I think uh, overall, it's been a good thing for the market. It's certainly professionalized the rental market from where, when we started in the, you know, mid nineties doing this, you know, um, uh, you know, it was a totally different type of rental, uh, uh, you know, market, albeit, and it was probably more sort of, more sort of a mom and pop type, you know, market. And now there's a lot more professionalism involved. Um, but you see, pro the problem is that, you know, uh, people are, there's, it's an unequal market to a large extent as an investor, because if you're, a, you know, one of these uh, persons who has one or two properties, if you're lucky enough to have that, then you, uh, you find yourself, you know, paying, your, well, apart from anything else, you've been told that it's unearned income which is a bit of a misnomer really you know because you're you're working hard you know and then you're paying over half of that uh, money back to the government that's another thing that uh, you know people don't talk about like half of all rents go in tax back to the government you know so the rtb um uh, published some really interesting stats earlier this year and i think they might have come as a surprise as a surprise to people who aren't involved um in the day to day so for example when they talked about i think it was somewhere between 80 and 83 or 80 and 85% of all landlords in ireland own one or two properties yeah. and the majority of those own one and yeah. um the vast majority earn uh, below a thousand euros per month in investment yeah. so yeah. actually you so you're absolutely right we need regulations we want a more professional sector and we want uh we want the interests of tenants protected that's a good yeah. thing yeah but the interests of landlords are certainly not being protected at the moment and there seems to be a lack of balance and where there's a lack of balance how can you expect to keep both landlords and tenants in a marketplace so in terms of balance, is this contributing to, I mean, I know we touched on accidental landlords and there's so many reasons why they would be leaving. They never intended to be there in the first place. But people who, who did come in, maybe outside of pension um, pension investments, people who chose to become uh, landlords and have maybe been doing it for decades, are they exiting? Oh, without a shadow of doubt. You see, you, you talk about balance, and that was the balance between landlords and tenants and their rights and responsibilities. But there's also balance between uh, landlords and the different types of landlords that there are. You know, so there's a different tax treatment for larger REITs, for example, and, uh, and you know, institutional and corporate landlords, um, you know, effectively paying very little tax um, on, the, on the income. And as against your, you know, as you say, the vast majority of landlords are paying over half their income tax, you know. So, um, there is a, a lack of balance there. That is definitely contributing to the exiting of, of landlords, and they are definitely exiting. Now, a, a certain number of them are being replaced by professional landlords from abroad, expatriate people and what have you, because they do see yield, um, it, you know, because rents are at record highs. But again, you've got that lack of balance in the market in itself. You've got the rent-controlled market versus the open market value, you know, which, um, which leads to two different, effectively, rental, uh, you know, situations. And that is also contributing to you know, these huge queues because landlords are rightly, you know, because of rent controls um, stuck to renting uh, at lower rates that they had, you know, for example, with previous tenants. Um, and, and, you know, so the people see a property coming up, say a two bed property for 1100, 1200 euros a month in Dublin. And they're just thinking, my God, what's, you know, 
how in the name of God is that so cheap? In now, you know, that's not cheap in historical terms, but in today's market, it is. And so you've got hundreds and hundreds of people making inquiries for one property like that. Whereas that market, that property on the open market could be, you know, six, seven, eight hundred euros more a month. Um, you know, when you talk about rent controls uh, versus the open market, people coming into, into the market for the first time, it seems bizarre that we're in a situation at the moment that rents on property owners are capped um, at multiples below what the cost of living and inflation increase are. Yeah. So actually their costs are rising at multiples of what yeah. they can increase the rent by. Is that a sustainable yeah. situation for any period of time? No, no. And we're already seeing even some institutional landlords contact us and saying, our corporate landlords, profession, sorry, professional landlords saying, this is totally unsustainable. How can I be in a situation where I can at maximum raise my rent by 2% um, and yet suffer inflation at what, you know, running annually at 9%? You know, it just doesn't make sense. In terms of the tax treatment, we know that this current government has acknowledged it. And I think agencies like Sherry Fitzgerald have been very vocal since about 2018, 2019, in chronicling the, the numbers of landlords leaving the market. It's something that's reported on every couple of months. And the government over the last two to three years have certainly acknowledged this. And up until a month ago, um, there seemed to have been a shift uh, a political shift whereby there, there was an acknowledgement that while it's not politically uh, uh, it's not politically palatable to do it, that there was an acknowledgement that there had to be uh, something done to not just uh, incentivize new landlords, private landlords uh, and smaller non-professional landlords into the market, but actually to stem the flow of people leaving the market. However, over the past four weeks, three weeks really, we've had a political storm um, that has really turned against landlords, uh, starting with Robert Troy and, and obviously uh, Stephen Donnelly, and we know there's more to come. Yeah. Uh, and what is what that's teaching us is that not only is it politically un, unpalatable, but there seems to be a disconnect across media commentators and uh, politically going out into the public, um, explaining how necessary all types and tenures of housing are to the marketplace to help solve the crisis or address the crisis, but also that actually we need all of these different types of landlords because they're each serving a different sector of the market. Yes. Um, is that, how, how, what, what's gone wrong there and how can we pull this back? Are you confident in, 20, in budget 2023 that are you confident in seeing anything for smaller or private or non-institutional landlords in budget 2023? Honestly, I don't think so. I think I think the um, you know the government's priority, I would imagine, is to increase supply, and I do do believe supply is coming. You know, and you know probably we're a couple of years out from you know supply having an impact on prices, um, uh, certainly from a, the rental market point of view. Um, but then, of course, you know, we're such an open economy and with all that's going on in the world at the moment, you know, who knows what might happen in the meantime, you know. So uh, but my gut feeling is there won't be much of a change in the tax treatment of uh, smaller landlords. Um, I think that uh, there will be a lot of emphasis put on, you know, all of these uh, new cost rental properties and what have you that are being, uh, you know, you know, rightly, uh, um, you know, pushed at the moment. 
Um, but then you see that brings its own issues with uh, people, you know, um, you know, objecting to uh, properties being built in their areas and what have you. It's a very complicated uh, situation. There's no quick fix to this at all. What it, what will happen is what's happened in the past that supply will increase over time and prices will start coming down. It's really the only answer. Um you know, in terms of changes we expect to see in budget 23, I think if we were having if we were having this conversation a month ago, I would have disagreed with you. Um, unfortunately, I think the last month, the timing of um, the latest backlash against landlords in Ireland has been really um, quite unfortunate. Tell me, are you seeing many new landlords, non-corporate landlords entering uh, the Dublin market? Yeah, so we, we see uh, year on year out uh, over the past possibly eight or seven or eight years, um, a percentage of our clients exiting the market. Um, but then that is generally being replaced by new landlords as well. You know, so not, not a, a certain percentage of them would be, you know, people moving from other agencies or just taking on board an agent like ourselves. Uh, but then there are certainly people from abroad who are buying into, you know, into the market in Ireland. Um, that's probably slowed down a little bit this year with the war in Ukraine and, the, you know, the um, inflation shocks that have happened and interest rate rises, whatever have you, um, you know, that's certainly having an impact. But uh, yeah, there, there definitely is a more professional um, investor who have, has been, you know, buying into the Irish market. There's no doubt about that. Okay, and that's an interesting one. Well, look, um, really, before we finish up today, I want to turn our attention to tenants who might be listening in here on Dublin South yeah. FM and on iProperty Radio, because yeah. again, we've just we've referenced there the queues of people to see properties. Um, tenants are feeling very, uh, very much um, out of control. The the situation they they feel like they have very little control in this. What can tenants do when they are one in such a high number that it actually feels more like a lottery than an application? Yeah, so so, so there are certain uh, things that they can do in advance of, uh, you know, um, uh, making applications for properties that will make life easier for them. And what they have to do is really think about things from the agent's point of view or from the landlord's point of view. You know, when a landlord or an agent is faced with 100 inquiries for property, well, how do you stand out from the crowd? That's what you've got to think about. So really, the first thing you need to do is get all your ducks in order in relation to your your documentation. You know, if you're working, um, employment references, um, if you've rented before, previous landlord documentation, all in writing, all ready with the contact details of the people that the landlord or the agent wants to ring just to reconfirm. You know, have identity documentation. Really, what you need to do is kind of think about it. Put yourself in their shoes and think about how do I make my life or their life easier? you know, just so that I can stand out. In a sense, we sometimes get people from the States and they're obviously much more used to this in the States, you know, in a sense, putting a little bio together. Because this is who I am. This is where I'm coming from. This is what I want. This is our life or whatever. Now, you know, now some people might feel difficult doing that and, you know, in a sense, uh, prostrating themselves in front of somebody. But really what they're doing is just making things easier, okay, for the agent to kind of stand out. from the crowd. Another thing you could do is to literally physically call into the agency. You know, rather than making a phone call, we find it ourselves. When people call into the agency, you know, if you put a face to the name, you have developed some sort of a rapport with them and you're, you know, you're remembered. Um, and so, you know, you will get on the list to see a property. Now, of course, the property may not suit you, you know, or for whatever reason, but at least you'll get to see the property, you know. Um, 
our own our old property is being rented at the moment because I think that's a great idea in terms of the bio because then you get a more complete picture of not just the applicant coming in but their family and their family situation or their um, yeah. whatever their living situation is um calling in you're the first agent I've heard to say that because I I am I I remember hearing about an estate agency in Waterford that were actually uh, closing the doors of their office um, because of yeah. the number of applicants. So they were only dealing with online. So that's very unusual. I, I hope you won't be inundated now with people. <laughs> Actually, do you find um, uh, if people call in, um, are all properties going on the market? Um, because I would imagine it would be tempting if you have a property coming up and you know or you've developed rapport with five, six, seven different prospective tenants. Um, I can understand yeah. it would be tempting for you just to introduce those five, six, seven tenants to a potential property. Does everything go on the open market? No, not everything goes on the open market, you know, because, you know, ultimately what we're trying to do is um, find the best tenant for the property that suits them the best and suits, you know, the property the best. So, you know, if we have people who we have in our books um, who are looking for a particular property and one of them comes up, well, of course, we're going to show it to them or inform them of it, you know, because ultimately... You know, if you can, if, if you have people on your books who are going to match up with properties, well, then it does take the hassle and cost away from you to have to kind of advertise it, show it uh, and go through all of that, um, you know, which you have to do in most cases. But if you can, yes, absolutely. And um, I'm always a proponent of prop tech and a different range of technologies. And I know that there are a number of, of Irish based um, technology providers who have designed solutions to help. Uh, busy letting agents sort through applicants but I think your comments there are a reminder of how important the human touch is as well and oh, yeah. uh, somebody calling in building that relationship and you know in a way it almost sounds cynical but it's not it's a return to actually getting to know people in a way that is more difficult to do through paperwork um, yeah. so that's a, that's a really interesting one I appreciate you saying it and um, just in terms of before we finish up because I know tenants are feeling so frustrated if there's anybody here uh, who is planning to move to Dublin for college within the coming weeks or have an adult son or daughter moving to Dublin in the next couple of weeks have you any tips for them any any ray of hope for them I know you mentioned new supply coming it's not likely to be coming in the next month or two no, probably not. Um, I suppose, you know, oftentimes you find, uh, particularly students are looking to minimize their monthly cost, um, which is understandable, obviously. Um, but, you know, in Dublin in particular, um, and that, what that means is they're looking for a larger accommodation. So three, four, five bedroom units, so, so they can kind of put six, seven, eight people into it to kind of bring that price down. Um, but those sort of properties are in sh very short supply. You know, traditionally you would have found, um, you know, you know, in apartment buildings, for example, the vast majority would be two bedrooms um, and a smaller amount of one bedrooms and three bedrooms, very much smaller amount. So, you know, to that end, you know, three bedroom units in Dublin city centre are very hard to find as against your two beds. So if it's at all possible and if, you know, the landlord or agent is willing to, you know, go down that road, a two bedroom unit is definitely going to be easier to find than a three or four bedroom apartment or house, you know, so... I know that's going to, you know, bring the you know average monthly price up a slight bit, and that is an inevitable consequence of uh, of you know what's happening in the market. But that is probably a 
we rarely find students looking for uh, you know a two bedroom unit. Um, they're always looking for larger units. So maybe that's a, a way to look at it. Um, but I think without before anything else, get all your documentation in order. That is probably the biggest um, you know positive tip that you can get people. So you can just in one click of a button send off everything that's required about you and uh, about your friends who want to move into place. And uh, you know, believe me, that'll that'll make difference. Um, so do your homework. That's an important tip. But what I really take away from this as well is the importance of the bio. Anything that you can give, little bit extra. Um, yeah. Let let the agent know you so that they can yeah. make a decision about you. That's great. Listen, thank you so much. Best of luck to you and your team over the coming months. I think we have a, a busy few months ahead in the rental market in Dublin. So uh, my thanks to Igor Fleming, Managing Director of Dublin Lettings. We need to take a quick break. Stay tuned.